Thank you. Thank you for coming on today's podcast. Here we go. Let's go ahead and ask God for his presence. We're going to be reading a couple of stories from Jesus Calling, Answers to Praise, and uh, and some Psalms, and probably a couple of miracle books. How about that? Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being our daddy. Thank you for covering us with your presence and your goodness, Lord. Lord, thank you, Lord, that we can keep on trying and trying to be the best we could. We say, Uncle, we surrender ourselves to you. Lord, we let go of everything, and we ask you to have your ways in our thought and our thinking and the words we're about to read. Show yourself strong and mighty in these words that reach our heart. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. God couldn't be anywhere, so he provided moms with cognitive, enthusiastic common sense. Amen. May 9th. I mean, excuse me, May 8th. Do not long for the absence of problems in your life. That is an unrealistic goal, since in this world you will have trouble. You have an eternity of problem-free living reserved for you in heaven. Rejoice in that inheritance which no one can take away from you, but do not seek your heaven on earth. Begin each day anticipating problems, Uh asking me to equip you for whatever difficulties you will encounter. The best equipment is my living presence, my hand that never lets go of yours. Discuss everything with me. Take a lighthearted view of trouble, seeing it as a challenge that you and I together can handle. Remember that I am on your side and I have overcome the world. Jesus calling, of course. How about uh, May 9th? Don't be so hard on yourself. I can bring good even out of your mistakes. Your finite mind tends to look backward, longing to undo decisions you have come to regret. That is a waste of time and energy, leading only to frustration. Instead of floundering in the past, release your mistakes to me. Look to me in trust, anticipate that my infinite creativity can weave both good choices and bad into a lovely design. Because you are human, you will continue to make mistakes. Thinking that you should live an error-free life is a symptomatic of pride. Your failures can be a source of blessing, humbling you and giving you empathy for other people in their weaknesses. Best of all, failure headlights your dependency on me. I am able to bring beauty out of the morass of your mistakes. Trust me and watch to see what I will do. Let's go and read May 10th. Do not resist or run from the difficulties in your life. These problems are not random mistakes. They are hand-tailored blessings designed for your benefit and growth. Uh, 
Embrace all the circumstances that I allow in your life, trusting me to bring good out of them. View problems as opportunities to rely more fully on me. When you start to feel stressed, let those feelings alert you to you for your need for me. Thus, your needs become doorways to deep dependence on me and increasing intimacy between us. Although self-sufficient is the claim in the world, reliance on me produces abundant living in my kingdom. Thank me for the difficulties in your life, since they provide protection from the idolatry of self-reliance. Amen. Idolatry of self-reliance. Let's go ahead and go back to uh, May 1st. Let's read from there. And the scripture is uh, Psalm 29.2. Ascribe, write down to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. That's a big order, folks. We are to praise and sing songs to the greatness of our Lord. And the noise we make is the conduit of our blessing, His presence, His joy, His love. May 1st, you are the path of my choosing. There is no randomness about your life. Here and now, compromise the coordinates of your daily life. Most people let their moments slip through their fingers, half-lived. They avoid the present by worrying about the future or longing for a better time and place. They forget that they are creatures who are subject to the limitations of time and space. They forget their Creator who walks with them only in the present. Every moment is alive with my glorious presence. To those whose hearts are intimately Connected with mine. As you give yourself more and more to a life of constant communion with me, you will find that you simply have no time for worry. Thus you are free to let my spirit direct your steps, enabling you to walk along the path of peace. May 2nd. Living in dependence on me is the way to enjoy abundant life. You are learning to appreciate tough times because they amplify your awareness of my presence. Tasks that you used to dread are becoming rich opportunities to enjoy my closeness. When you feel tired, you remember that I am your strength. You take pleasure in learning on me. I am pleased by your tendency to turn to me more and more frequently, especially when you are alone. When you are with other people, you often lose sight of my presence. Your fear of displeasing people puts you in bondage to them, and they become your primary focus. When you realize this has happened, whisper my name. This tiny act of trust brings me to the forefront of your consciousness, where I belong. As you back in the blessings of my nearness, my life can flow through you to others. This is abundant life. Do not miss it. You cannot serve two masters. Oh, this is May 3rd. If I am truly your master, you will desire to please me above all others. 
If pleasing people is your goal, you will be enslaved to them. People can be harsh taskmasters when you give them this power over you. If I am the master of your life, I will also be your first love. Your serving me is rooted and grounded in my vast unconditional love for you. The lower you bow down before me, the higher I lift you up into intimate relationships with me. The joy of living in my presence outshines all other pleasures. I want you to reflect my joyous light by living in increasing intimacy with me. May 4th. Meet me in morning stillness. While the earth is fresh with the dew of my presence, worship me in the beauty of holiness. Sing love songs to my holy name. As you give yourself to me, my spirit swells within you till you are flooded with the divine presence. This is May 4th. Meet me in the morning stillness while the earth is fresh with the dew of my presence. Worship me in the beauty of holiness. Since love songs to my holy name, sing those songs. As you give yourself to me, my spirit swells within you and fills you and floods you with divine presence. The world's ways of pursuing riches is grasping and hoarding. You attain my riches by letting go and giving. The more you give yourself to me and my ways, the more... I fill you with inexpressible heavenly joy. Cinco de Mayo. Come to me for all that you need. Come into my presence with thanksgiving, for thankfulness opens the door to my treasures. When you are thankful, you affirm the central truth that I am good. I am light in whom there is no darkness at all. The assurance that I am entirely good meets your basic need for security. Your life is not subject to the whims of a sin-stained deity. Relax in the knowledge that the one who controls your life is totally trustworthy. Come to me with confident expectation. There is nothing you need that I cannot provide. May 6. Do not search for security in the world you inhabit. You tend to make mental checklists of things you need to do in order to gain control of your life. If only you could check everything off your list, you could relax and be at peace. But the more you work to accomplish the goal, the more things crop up on your list. The harder you try, the more frustrated you become. There is a better way to feel security in this life. Instead of scrutinizing your checklist, focus your attention on my presence with you. This continual contact with me will keep you in my presence. Moreover, I will help you sort out what is important and what is not. What needs to be done now and what does not. Fix your eyes not on what I see is seen, your circumstances, but on what is unseen, my presence. If you learn to trust me, May 7, really trust me with your whole being, then nothing can separate you from my peace. 
Everything you endure can be part put to good use by allowing it to train you in trusting me. This is how you foil the works of evil, growing in grace through the very adversity that was meant to harm you. Joseph was a prince example, prime example of the divine reversal, declaring it to his brothers. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Do not fear what this day or any day may bring your way. Concentrate on trusting me and on doing what needs to be done. Relax in my sovereignty, remembering that I go before you as well with you in each day. Fear no evil For I can bring good out of every situation you will encounter. The word of the Lord, a reading from Jesus Calling, Sarah Young. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his counts and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, welcome family. Greetings. Thank you so much for checking in today in our quick studies. Remember that with God, all things are possible. This is Fernando, the podcaster. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Give them heaven. Give them the benefit of the doubt as I give myself the benefit of the doubt and lean on thanking and praising God. We're reading a letter today that comes to us from the foundationofpraise.org. I found that it's really intriguing and it's so right on. This is originally printed back in May 1996. Now, this is a topic where we're going to be talking today. It's called Laboring Over Decisions from Praise News by Marilyn Carotters. I sometimes labor over decisions that I need to make. Do you? If there are many complications involved, we often don't know what our best choice is. Regardless of what we decide, there are many things that could go wrong. When our thoughts are in turmoil, it is difficult for us to make a good decision. We often think, whatever God wants me to do, I'll do, but what does he want me to do? If we realize Excuse me. If we really do want God's will, we may go into a time of agonizing prayer, yet still be afraid that we might make the wrong choice. We think and think in all the ramifications if we make a mistake. Recently, I was caught in one of those situations. The harder I try to reach a conclusion, the more difficult it seemed for me to do so. So I fell back on my habit of saying, God, you are working this for my good. Yes, you are really are. My anxiety subsided and my attention shifted towards trusting God. Then a new thought came to me. It doesn't matter what decisions you make as long as you have the right motives. Huh. Boy, that took a big burden off my heart. God recognizes that you and I are incapable of knowing all the possible ramifications of the many decisions that we need to make. 
We can always be wrong. We have proven that to ourselves over and over. But God doesn't keep a record of every choice we make. He keeps a record of our motives. We sometimes judge one another by the standards that are clear to us, but many, but may not be all that clear to another person. And sometimes we even judge ourselves quite harshly because we think God sees us as we see ourselves. Huh. With so many possibilities for making wrong choices, we can live in continual anxiety. If God should judge us according to our abilities, I'm afraid all of us would be in big trouble. However, the good news is that God's primary objective is that we learn to love him. Therefore, he wants us to believe that he always understands our anxiety and confusion. He knows when we regret our mistakes. He knows when we want to do the right thing. He is willing to give us a grade of 100% if we are willing to trust in his goodness. So let us learn to rejoice in his loving care over every detail of our lives. If we bungle our choice of where we should live, what job we should take, what operation we should have, how to deal with our children, what church we should attend, etc., etc., we must remember that God is on our side if we have the right motives. So let us remember to have as our heart's desire, Lord, all I want to do is please you. Lord, all I want to do is pleasure you. Or, Lord, all I want to do is have fun in you. Then we can use the best judgment we have, make our decision, and have full confidence that God will somehow work it out for our good. Then we can use the best judgment again we have, make our decision, and have full confidence that God will will somehow work it out for our good. And he will be pleased with us because once again, we have trusted in him rather than in ourselves. Laboring Our Decisions by Marilyn Carruthers. I hope you enjoyed that. I, I read that once and I said, Dad, this is a good letter. The next person that we read is Mary Carruthers, a person we don't hear too much about. She always pins a letter in his uh, monthly letter too. It's called Two Kingdoms. When we get right down to it, we learn that there really are only two kingdoms at work in this world. The kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of Satan, which is the kingdom of darkness. God's kingdom is manifested through many different people, various types of ministry, and of course, many denominations. Despite the multitude of differences we believers have, we share one thing in common. We exalt the name of Jesus, recognizing that the precious blood that he shed on the cross has purchased our redemption. Truly, Jesus has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into his own family, the kingdom of light. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Satan kingdom is also manifest through many different avenues. Various philosophies, religions, belief systems, and teachings 
will masquerade under the facade designed to deceive us. Some of them appear to, to the casual observer to be good, but if Satan can appear as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians 11:14, he can also clearly, cleverly conceal many of his works. How can we become better able to discern between these two kingdoms? First, we need a personal relationship with Jesus, our Savior. The more we spend with him praying and worship him, the more we will grow to love him. Second, we should pray for discernment and wisdom. Proverbs abounds with exhortations to grow in wisdom, understanding, insight, and discernment. I like to read Proverbs regularly, choosing the chapter that corresponds to the date of that day. For example, on the 15th of the month, I like to read chapter 15, and so on and so forth, through the month. Often I will read Proverbs in different translations and different ones each month. Lastly, Ephesians 4.23 tells us to be made new in the new attitudes of our mind. In Romans 12.2, Paul exhorts us to no longer be conformed to the way the world thinks, but to become transformed by renewing your mind. How do we do this? By reading and studying the Bible daily. I ask the Holy Spirit to open my mind and spirit to understand whatever He wants to teach me through His Word. Let's pray for godly wisdom and discernment, folks, so that we can be light in this dark world. We belong to the kingdom of light, so let's allow the light of Jesus to shine through us. Amen. What a wonderful letter by Mary Carruthers. And right now, the, the, the letter, the monthly letter, has a special on the book, Power and Praise, which is the second book out of 15 books. Some people that I know personally have read this book first, and they said that this book is better than the first book, Prison and Praise. And these are little uh, excerpts uh, that people have sent in. Uh, I have bought many of these books. Right here, they're selling 100 books at a discount. Price per book is $1.40. And if you buy uh, 100 of them, of course, it's 140 plus tax and shipping and so forth. So here we have what people said about the second book. If you haven't read it, please get it. It's an amazing, incredible book. And uh, right here it says, People wrote in saying, 32 years ago, a fellow teacher gave me power and praise. It forever changed my pessimistic outlook to one of thanksgiving and praise in all things. Power and praise was much used by the Lord in my coming to Christ. In the nearly 30 years since that time, the Lord has revealed his mercy and his power to save to me. That was the second letter. The third letter says, Power and praise has blessed my life so much, the Lord used it when I was battling cancer, especially the chapter about whining and complaining. Now I am miraculous healed to the amazement of the doctors. Another person writes, Thank you for sending praise news. I really enjoy it and share it with my friends. Power and praise has been a big blessing, and I have given it to my friends also. God bless your work. 
Now remember, praise news is what I'm reading from, so you can get your your actual copy in the mail for free. Just go to foundationofpraise.org and sign up. That easy. Foundationofpraise.org. Our, our last letter says, Power and praise changed my life over 20 years ago. I've been through a very challenging time, but I was always reminded to give him praise. I'm a minister, and my job is to love people, encourage them, and draw them closer to him. Amen. And it's amazing. A lot of people have, they put in their wills to give a help with the printing. And right here we have a, uh, a handful of people that have passed away and their children have sent in donations to keep the work of God going in this ministry. <clears throat> For instance, uh, William H. Gary, in memory of, and by his daughter, Vicki Gary of Urupa Valley, they have sent in a gift for the Foundation of Praise, give monetary gifts so the, the books can be sent free to prisons all over the country. You know, they, they send out free books and people donate money for that cause. For instance, uh, Albina, Albany County Detention Center in Wyoming, Laramie, Wyoming, Monroe Correctional Center, Bloomington, Indiana, Jackson County Sheriff's Department, Phoenix, Arizona. I think I've been in that jail. Columbia Correctional Institute, Portage, Wisconsin, Delta Correctional Facility, Greenwood, Montana, and so on and so forth. Mobile County Metro Jail, Mobile, Alabama. Uh, Correctional Institute, Bellefonte, Pennsylvania. State Penitentiary, Adelanto, California. No, I haven't been there. That was close, though. Uh, Fort Avenue Jail, Phoenix, Arizona. Hutchinson Unit, Dallas, Texas. All these and many, many more. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, real quick review over laboring over decisions. And remember, usually when, when you have real good peace about it and it feels good, overwhelming joy, do it. But if you have doubt, which most of the decisions are with doubt, Remember our intentions, that God is is with us, and sometimes we're not going to make the right choice, but God is still with us, you know, and certainly we're going to be adults and not blame Him. Amen. I love you. May May the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you, and be gracious unto you. Thank you for coming on today's study. Um, oh, by the way, I wanted to read Psalms. You knew I was going to do that, huh? Psalms 37 by King David. You know, um, King David. Why Psalms 37? I don't know. I've been thinking about it. And since today is the 7th, we'll go to Psalm 37. I don't know how I calculated that, but it sounds like we're going to do it. So listen up, please. It's called The Heritage of the Righteous and the Calamity of the Wicked. 
It says, do, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Put your confidence in the Lord. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek The meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plot against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are upright conduct. Their swords shall enter their own hearts, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance will be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil day. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. Like smoke, they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay. But the righteous shall show mercy and give. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth. By those cursed by him shall be cursed be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Happy-go-lucky. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds me, him with his righteous right hand. For the Lord upholds me with my hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. He is merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. 
The law of his God is in his heart, none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn with him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. He shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passes away and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright. For the future of that man is peace, but the transgressors shall be destroyed forever. The future of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the middle of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked. He shall save them because they trust in him. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Greetings. Welcome to today's reading. Call it Cinco de Mayo. It's Old Testament reading for our enjoyment. Enjoy. May 2nd, Judges 15.1 and through 16.31. Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him in. I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained, so I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. Samson said, This time I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. Then he went out and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened a torch to each pair of tail. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves, and the uncut grain, he also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. Who did this, Philistine demanded? Samson was replied, because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned him to death. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Etham. The Philistines retaliated by setting up a camp in Judah and spreading out near the towns of Lehi. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, why are you attacking us? The Philistines replied, we come to capture Samson. We come to pay him back for what he did to us. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave of the rock of Etham. They said to Samson, Don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. But the men of Judah told him, We have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. All right, Samson said, 
But promise that you won't kill me yourselves. We will only tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines, they replied. We won't kill you. So they tied him up with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax. And they fell from his wrists. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed a thousand Philistines with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, I piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I killed a thousand of men. When he finished his boasting, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was named Jawbone Hill. Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall in the hands of these pagans? So God caused water to gush up out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Sancio was revived as he drank. Then he named the place the springs of the one who cried out. It is still in Lehi to this day. The spring of the one who cried out. Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistine dominated the land. One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Word soon spread that Samson was there, so the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, When the light of morning comes, we will kill him. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, and lifted them up, bar and all, and he put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistine went to her and asked and said, and tie Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Samson replied, If I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, I will become weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings, and she tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some of the men in the inner room of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps it. It is a burned by the fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. After, afterwards, Delilah said to him, You have been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now please tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, If I were tied up with a brand new rope that have never been used, I would become weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him up with them. The men were hiding in the inner room as before. And again Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again Samson snapped the ropes from her arms as they were treaded. 
Then Delilah said, You've been making fun of me, telling me lies. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, If you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I will become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into, into the fabric. Then the tightening it was with the loom shuttle. Again, she cried out, Samson, the Philistines had come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. Then Delilah pouted, How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine's rulers. Come back one more time, she said. For he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistines' re rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lured Samson to sleep with her head in her lap. And then she called a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down. And his strength left him. And she cried out, Samson, Samson, the Philistines had come to capture you. When he woke up he thought i would do as before and shake myself free but he didn't realize the lord had left him so the philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes they took him to gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison but before long his hair began to grow back the philistines rulers held a great festival offering sacrifices and praising their god the god they, they, they said, Our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, Bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought before the prison to amuse them. And they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the land, Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he did during his entire lifetime. Later, his brothers and the other relatives went down to get his body. They took him back home and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel, 
where his father Manoah was buried, Samson had judged Israel for 20 years. John 2, 1 through 25, chapter 2. <clears throat> the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply had ran out during the festives, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Standing nearby were six stone waters. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, Now dip some out and take it to the masters of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the masters of ceremony tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, thought, of course, that the servants knew, he could, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has been allowed, had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and changed them all, all, all out, out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor. He turned over their tables. Then, going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my house, my father's house, into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume us, consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What? they exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Because of the miraculous sign Jesus did in Jerusalem of the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. Because of the miraculous signs, plural, Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, Many began to trust in him, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind is really like. Amen. Pray in the Psalms. God is worthy of worship no matter what our circumstances are. Again, rejoice in God's righteousness, redemption, 
compassion, and strength, no matter what the circumstance is. God is always worthy of worship, no matter what our present circumstances are. Rejoicing in God's righteousness, rejoicing in His redemption, in compassion and strength, trusting and believing. He's got the best in mind. Psalm 103, 1 through 22. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we're only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children, of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, <clears throat> you mighty ones who carry out his plans. Listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you army of angels who serve him and do his will. Yes, praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Proverbs 14, 17 through 19. Short-tempered people do foolish things. And schemers are hated. Simpletons are clothed with foolishness, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Evil people will bow before good people. The wicked will bow at the gates of the godly. Train your spirit. This is Gloria speaking here. Titus 2.12 If grace has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness, irreligion, and worldly passionate desires to live discreet, temperate, self-control, upright, devoted, spiritually whole lives in the present world. Titus 2.12 When an athlete goes into training his practice to improve his skills, he works hard repeating the same motions over and over until they become what we call second nature to him. Most of us understand how crucial that kind of training is in the physical realm. We know that you simply can't be a winner without it. But did you know we can train ourselves the same way spiritually where things are concerned? 
That's right. Hebrews 5.14 says we can train our senses to discern between good and evil. When you train or practice for something, you expose yourself daily to whatever it is you want to become. You practice it over and over until it becomes a second nature to you. People who are lazy have practiced being lazy. People who are disciplined have practiced being disciplined. Spending time with God is spirit practice. As you do it diligently, your spirit will grow stronger and will start to overcome the habits of the flesh. If, for example, you have trouble getting up in the morning to spend time with God before the busyness of the day begin, if you've been going... If you've been giving in to your flesh and staying in bed, then you have to start practicing getting up. The more you practice it, the easier it would be. Don't expect yourself to do it perfectly right from the beginning. Don't get discouraged when you stumble and fall. You're just out of practice. Get back on your feet and go at it again. Become a spiritual athlete. Put yourself in training by practicing the things of God. Building your spirit muscles through fellowship with Him, you will be surprised to find how much of a winner you can be. This is from Faith to Faith, a daily guide to victory by Kennedy Gloria Copeland. And now we're going to read God's promises, the Word of God to you. Okay, and this one's for uh, uh, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love, and of a sound mind. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For God is not the outer confusion, but a peace. 1 Corinthians 14.33 For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion of every evil things are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James 3, 16 and 18. Therefore it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. 1 Peter 2, 6. For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I will, I have set my life, my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Isaiah 50, verse 7. For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Isaiah 50, verse 7. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 55, 22. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which suppresses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Psalms 119, 165. For his anger is for a moment, but his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalms 30, verse 5. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. 
When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Isaiah 43, 2. He heals the broken heart and binds up their wounds. Psalm 147, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comfort us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which, which we ourselves are comforted by God. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Finally, my brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, things are just, things that are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Philippians 4, 8. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights or depths, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's reading for May 3rd, Judges chapter 17, verse 1, to chapter 18, verse 31. Verse 1. There was a man named Micah who lived in the hill country of Ephraim. One day he said to his mother, I heard you place a curse on the person who stole 1,100 pieces of silver from you. Well, I have the money. I was the one who took it. The Lord bless you for admitting it, his mother replied. He returned the money to her, and she said, I now dedicate these silver coins to the Lord in honor of my son. I will have an image carved and an idol cast. So when he returned the money to his mother, she took 200 silver coins and gave them to a silversmith who made them into an image of an idol and these were placed in Micah's house Micah set up a shrine for the idol and he made a sacred epoch and some household idols then he installed one of his sons as his personal priest in those days Israel had no king all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes one day a young Levite who had been living in Bethlehem in Judah arrived in the area he had left Bethlehem in search of another place to live. And as he traveled, he came to the hill country of Ephraim. He happened to stop at Micah's house as he was traveling through. Where are you from? Micah asked him. He replied, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am looking for a place to live. Stay here with me, Micah said, and you can be a father and a priest to me. I will give you ten pieces of of silver a year plus a change of clothes and your food the Levite agreed to this and the young man became like one of Micah's sons so Micah installed the Levite as his personal priest and he lived in Micah's house I know the Lord will bless me now Micah said because I have a Levite serving me as my priest chapter 18 verse 1 now in those days Israel had no king, and the tribe of Dan was trying to find a place where they could settle, for they had not yet moved into the land assigned to them when the land was divided among the tribes of Israel. So the men of Dan chose from their clans five capable warriors from
from the towns of Zorah and Eshtoto to scout out the land for them to settle in. When these warriors arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, they came to Micah's house and spent the night there. Well, at Micah's house, they recognized a young Levite's accent. So they went over and asked him, who brought you here and what are you doing in this place? Why are you here? He told them about his agreement with Micah and that he had been hired as Micah's personal priest. Then they said, ask God whether or not your journey will be successful, our journey. Go in peace, the priest replied, for the Lord is watching over your journey. So the five men went on to the town of Laish, where they noticed the people living carefree lives, like the Sidonians. They were peaceful and secure. The people were also wealthy because the land was very fertile, and they lived a great distance from Sidon and had no allies nearby. When the men returned to Zorah and Eshtel, their relatives asked them, what did you find? The men replied, come on, let's attack them. We have seen the land and it is very good. What are you waiting for? Don't hesitate to go in and take possession of it. When you get there, you will find the people living carefree lives. God has given us a spacious and fertile land lacking in nothing. So 600 men from the tribe of Dan armed with weapons of war set out from Zorah and Eshtel. They camp at a place west of Kiriat-Jarim in Judah, which is called Mahaniah Dan to this day. Then they went on from there into the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. The five men who had scouted out the land around Lashish explained to the others, these buildings contain a sacred ephod as well as some household idols a carved image and a cast idol. What do you think you should do? Then the five men turned off the road and went over to Micah's house where the young Levite lived and greeted him kindly. As the 600 armed warriors from the tribe of Dan stood at the entrance of the gate, the five scouts entered the shrine and removed the carved image, the sacred ephod, the household idols, and the cast idol. Meanwhile, the priest was standing at the gate with the 600 armed warriors. When the priest saw that the men carrying all the sacred objects out of Micah's shrine, he said, what are you doing? Be quiet and come with us, they said. Be a father and a priest to all of us. Isn't it better to be a priest to an entire tribe and clang of Israel than for the household of just one man? The young man priest was quite happy to go with them so he took along the sacred ephod the household idols and the carved image they turned and started on their way again placing their children livestock and possessions in front of them when the people from the tribe of dan were quite a distance from micah's house the people who lived near micah came chasing after them they were shouting as they caught up with them the men of Dan turned around and said to Micah, What's the matter? Why are you calling these men together and chase us like this? He says, What do you mean, what's the matter? Micah replied, You've taken away all the gods I have made and my priests, and I have nothing left. The men of Dan said, Watch what you say. There are some 
there are some short-tempered men around here who might get angry and kill you and your family. So the men of Dan continue on their way. When Micah saw that there were too many of them for him to attack, he turned around and went home. Then with Micah's idols and his priests, the men of Dan came to the town of Laish, whose people were peaceful and secure. They attacked with swords and burned the town to the ground. There was no one to rescue the people, for they lived a great distance from the Sidons and had no allies nearby. This happened in the valley near Beth Reho. Then the people of the tribe of Dan rebuilt the town and lived there. They renamed the town Dan after their ancestor, Israel's son, but it had originally been called Laish. Then they set up the carved image and they pointed, appointed Jonathan, son of Gershon, son of Moses, as their priest. This family continued as priests for the tribe of Dan until the exile. So Micah carved image was worshipped by the tribe of Dan as long as the tabernacle of God remained in Shiloh. John chapter 3 verses 1 through 21. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. <clears throat> what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe it if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him. But anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, 
But people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light, so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Amen. Psalms, praying the Psalms. Imagine each of the scenes described in this psalm. Think of God who puts everything in its place. This is Psalm 104, verses 1 through 23. Let all that I am praise the Lord. O Lord my God, how great you are. You are robed with honor and majesty. You are dressed in a robe of light. You stretch out the starry curtain of the heavens. You lay out the rafters of your home in the rain clouds. You make the clouds your chariots. You ride upon the wings of the wind. The winds are your messengers. Flames of fire are your servants. You place the world on its foundation so it will never be moved. You clothe the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. At your command, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, it hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the level you decreed. Then you set a firm boundary on the seas so they would never again cover the earth. You make springs pour water into the ravines so streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals. And the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home, and you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, olive oil to soothe their skin, and bread to give them strength. The trees of the Lord are well cared for. The cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests and the storks make their homes in the cypresses. High in the mountains live the wild goats and the rocks form a refuge for the hyraxes. You made the moon to mark the seasons and the sun knows when to set. You send the darkness and it becomes night when all the forest animals prowl about, the young lions roar for their prey, stalking the food provided by God. At dawn they sink back to their dens to rest. Then people go off to work where they labor until evening. Proverbs 14, 20-21 The poor are despised even by their neighbors, while the rich have many friends. It is a sin to belittle one's neighbor. Blessed are those who help the poor. Amen. Amen. May 4th, Judges chapter 19, verse 1, to chapter 20, 48, verse 1. Now in those days Israel had no king. There was a man from the tribe of Levi living in a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim, one day he brought home a woman from Bethlehem in Judah to be his concubine. But she became angry with him 
and returned to her father's home in Bethlehem. After about four months, her husband set out for Bethlehem to speak personally to her and persuade her to come back. He took with him a servant and a pair of donkeys. When he arrived at her father's house, her father saw him and welcomed him. Her father urged him to stay a while, so he stayed three days eating, drinking, and sleeping there. On the fourth day, the man was up early, ready to leave, but the woman's father said to his son-in-law, Have something to eat before you go. So the two men sat down together and had something to eat and drink. Then the woman's father said, Please stay another night and enjoy yourself. The man got up to leave, but his father-in-law kept urging him to stay. So he finally gave in and stayed the night. On the morning of the fifth day, he was up early again, ready to leave. And again, the woman's father said, Have something to eat, then you can leave later this afternoon. So they had another day of feasting. Later, as the man and his concubine and the servant were preparing to leave, his father-in-law said, Look, it's almost evening. Stay the night and enjoy yourself. Tomorrow you can get up early and be on your way. But this time the man was determined to leave, so he took his two saddle donkeys, his concubine, and headed in the direction of Jebus, that is Jerusalem. It was late in the day when they neared Jebus, and the man's servant said to him, Let's stop at this Jebusite town and spend the night there. No, his master said, we can't stay in this foreign town where there are no Israelites. Instead, we will go to Gilbeah. Come on, let's try to get there as far as Gibeah or Ramah, and we'll spend the night in one of those towns. So they went on. The sun was setting as they came to Gibeah a town in the land of Benjamin. So they stopped there to spend the night. They rested in the town square, but no one took them in for the night. That evening an old man came home from his work in the fields. He was from the hill country of Ephraim, but he was living in Gibeah, where the people were from the tribe of Benjamin. When he saw the travelers sitting in the town square, he asked them where they were from and where they were going. We have been in Bethlehem, in Judah, the man replied, we are on our way to a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim, which is my home. I traveled to Bethlehem, and now I am returning home. But no one has taken us in for the night, even though we have everything we need. We have straw and feed for our donkeys and plenty of bread and wine for ourselves. You are welcome to stay with me, the old man said. I will give you anything you might need. But whatever you do, don't spend the night in the square. So he took them home with him and fed the donkeys. After they washed their feet, they ate and drank together. While they were enjoying themselves, a crowd of troublemakers from the town surrounded the house. They began beating at the door and shouting to the old man, Bring out the man who is staying with you so we can have sex with him. The old man stepped out to talk to them. No, my brothers, don't do such an evil thing for... This man is a guest in my house, and such a thing will be shameful. Here, take my virgin daughter and this man's concubine. I will bring them out to you, and you can abuse them and do whatever you like. But don't do such a shameful thing to this man. But they wouldn't listen to him. So the Levite took hold of his concubine and pushed her out of the door. The men of the town abused her all night taking turns raping her until morning. Finally at dawn, they let her go.
At daybreak, the woman returned to the house where her husband was staying. She collapsed at the door of the house and lay there until it was lit. When her husband opened the door to leave, the lay, there lay his concubine with her hands on the threshold. He said, get up, let's go, but there was no answer. So he put her body on his donkey and took her home. When he got home, he took a knife and cut his concubine body into 12 pieces. Then he sent one piece to each of the tribe throughout all the territory of Israel. Everyone who saw it said, such a horrible crime has been committed in all the time, in all the time since Israel left Egypt. Not. Think about it. What are we going to do? Who's going to speak up? Chapter 20, verse 1. Then all the Israelites were united as one man from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, including those from across the Jordan and the land of Gilead. The entire community assembled in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. The leaders of all the people and all the tribes of Israel, 400,000 warriors armed with swords, took their possession, positions in the assembly of the people of God. Word soon reached the land of Benjamin that the other tribes had gone up to Mizpah. The Israelites then asked, asked how this terrible crime has happened. The Levite, the husband of the woman who had been murdered, said, My concubine and I came to spend the night in Gibeah, a town that belongs to the people of Benjamin. That night, some of the leading citizens of Gibeah surrounded the house, planning to kill me, and they raped my concubine until she was dead. So I cut her body in 12 pieces and sent the pieces throughout the entire territory assigned to Israel. For these men have committed a terrible and shameful crime. Now then, all of you, the entire community of Israel, must decide here and now what should be done about this. And all the people rose to their feet in unison and declared, None of us will return home. No, not one, one of us. Instead, this is what we will do to Gibeah. We will draw lots to decide who will attack it. One-tenth of the men from each tribe will be chosen to supply the warriors with food, and the rest of us will take revenge on Gibeah. But Benjamin, for this shameful thing they have done in Israel. So all the Israelites were completely united, and they gathered together to attack the town. The Israelites sent messengers to the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What terrible thing has been done among you? Give up those evil men, who's those troublemakers from Gibeah, so we can execute them and purge Israel of this evil. But the people of Benjamin would not listen. Instead, they came from their towns and gathered at Gibeah to fight the Israelites. In all, 26,000 of their warriors armed with swords arrived in Gibeah to join the 700 elite troops who lived there. Among the Benjamin's elite troops, 700 were left-handed, and each of them could sling a rock and hit a target with a hair's breadth without missing. Israel had 400,000 experienced soldiers armed with swords, not counting Benjamin's warriors. Before the battle, the Israelites went to Bethel and asked God which of the tribes should go first to attack the people of Benjamin. The Lord answered, Judah is to go first. So the Israelites left early the next morning and camped near Gibeah. Then they advanced toward Gibeah to attack the men of Benjamin. But Benjamin's warriors who were defending the town came out and killed 22,000 Israelites on that battlefield that day. But the Israelites encouraged each other and took their positions again at the same place. 
they had fought the previous day. For they had gone up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord until evening. They had asked the Lord, should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again? And the Lord said, go out and fight against them. So the next day they went out against to fight against the men of Benjamin. But the men of Benjamin killed another 18,000 Israelites, all who were experienced with the sword. Then all the Israelites went up to Bethel and wept in the presence of the Lord and fasted until evening. They also brought burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. The Israelites went up seeking direction from the Lord. In those days, the Ark of the Covenant of God was in Bethel. And Phinehas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron was the priest. The Israelites asked the Lord, Should we fight against our relatives from Benjamin again? Or shall we stop? The Lord said, Go, tomorrow I will hand them over to you. So the Israelites sent an ambush all around Gibeah. They went out on the third day and took their positions at the same place as before. When the men of Benjamin came out to attack, they were drawn away from the town. And as they had done before, they began to kill the Israelites. About 30 Israelites died in the open fields and along the roads. And one leading to Bethel and the other leading back to Gibeah. Then the warriors of Benjamin shouted, We defeated them as we did before, but the Israelites had planned in advance to run away so that the men of Benjamin would chase them along the roads and be drawn away from the town. When the main group of Israelites warriors reached Baal Tamar, they turned and took up their positions. Meanwhile, the Israelites hid, hiding in ambush to the west of Gibeah jumped up to fight. There were 10,000 Israelite troops who advanced against Gibeah. The fighting was so heavy that Benjamin didn't realize the impending disaster. So the Lord helped Israel defeat Benjamin. <clears throat> and that day the Israelites killed 25,100 of Benjamin warriors, all of whom were experienced swordsmen. Then the men of Benjamin saw that they were beaten. The Israelites had retreated from Benjamin warriors in order to give these hiding, those hiding in ambush more room to maneuver against Gibeah. Then those who were hiding rushed in from all sides and killed everyone in the town. They had arranged to send up a large cloud of smoke from the town as a signal. When the Israelites saw the smoke, they turned and attacked the Benjamin warriors. By, the, by that time, the Benjamin warriors had killed about 30 Israelites, and they shouted, We're defeating them as we did the first battle. But when the warriors of Benjamin looked behind them and saw the smoke rising into the sky from every part of the town, the men of Israel turned and attacked. At this point, the men of Benjamin became terrified because they realized disaster was close at hand. So they turned around and fled before the Israelites towards the wilderness, but they couldn't escape the battle. And the people who came out of the nearby towns were also killed. The Israelites surrounded the men of Benjamin and chased them relentlessly, finally overtaking them east of Gibeah. That day, 18,000 of Benjamin's strongest warriors died in battle. The survivors fled into the wilderness toward the Rock of Rimon, but Israel killed 5,000 of them along the road. They continued the chase until they had killed another 2,000 near Gidom. So that day, the tribe of Benjamin lost 25,000 warriors armed with swords, leaving only 600 men who escaped to the Rock of Rimmon. 
where they lived for four months. And the Israelites returned and slaughtered everything in the towns, the people, the livestock, and everything they found. They also burned down all the towns they came to. Whew. Pride. <clears throat> John 3, 22 to chapter 4, verse 3. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them, their baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Aenon near Salim because there was plenty of water there, and the people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people, and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourself know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he, sent, he is sent by God, he speaks God's word, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything in his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. Chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees have heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Okay, now we're reading the Psalms, praying the Psalms, actually. Praise the Lord for sustaining all he has created and for taking pleasure in it, including us. Again. Praise the Lord for sustaining all he has created and for taking pleasure in it, including me. Psalms 104, 24 to 35. O Lord, what a variety of things you have made. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the ocean, vast and wide, teeming with life of every kind, both large and small. See the ship sailing along, the Leviathan, which you made to play in the sea, frolic. They all depend on you to give them food as they need it. When you supply it, they gather it. You open your hand to feed them, and they are richly satisfied. 
But if you turn away from them, they panic. When you take away their breath, they die and turn again to dust. When you give them your breath, life is created, and you, you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord continue forever. The Lord takes pleasure in all he has made. The earth trembles at his glance, the mountains smoke at his touch. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God to my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let all sinners vanish from the face of the earth. Let the wicked disappear forever. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 22 to 24. If you plan to do evil, you will be lost. If you plan to do good, you will receive unfailing love and faithfulness. If you plan to do good, you will receive unfailing love and faithfulness. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Wealth is a crown for the wise. The effort of fools yields only foolishness. Wealth is a crown for the wise. The effort of fools yields only foolishness. Amen. The word of the Lord. May 5th, Judges 21 through Ruth chapter 1, 22. Judges 21, verse 1. The Israelites had vowed at Mizpah, We will never give our daughters in marriage to a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Now the people went to Bethel and sat in the presence of God until evening, weeping loudly and bitterly. O Lord God of Israel, they cried out, Why has this happened in Israel? No one of our now one of our tribes is missing from Israel. Early the next, the next morning, the people built an altar and presented their burnt offerings and peace offerings on it. Then they said, Who among the tribes of Israel did not join us at Mizpah when we held our assembly in the presence of the Lord? At that time, they had taken a solemn oath in the Lord's presence, vowing that anyone who refused to come would be put to death. The Israelites felt sorry for their brothers Benjamin and said, Today one of the tribes of Israel has been cut off. How can we find wives for the few who remain, since we have sworn by the Lord not to give them our daughters in marriage? So they asked, Who among the tribes of Israel did not join us at Mizpah? when we assembled in the presence of the Lord, and discovered that no one from Jabez Gilead had attended the assembly. For after they counted all the people, no one from Jabez Gilead was present. So the assembly sent 12,000 of their best warriors to Jabez Gilead with orders to kill everyone there, including women and children. This is what you do, are to do, they said, completely destroy all the males and every woman who is not a virgin. Among the residents of Jabez Gilead, they found 400 young virgins who had never slept with a man, and they brought them to the camp at Shiloh in the land of Canaan. The Israelite assembly sent a peace delegation to the remaining people of Benjamin, 
who were living at the rock of Rimon. Then the men of Benjamin returned to their homes, and the 400 women of Jabez Gilead, who had been spared, were given to them as wives. But there was not enough women for all the men. The people felt sorry for Benjamin because the Lord had made their gap among the tribes of Israel. So the elders of the assembly asked, How can we find wives for the few who remain, since the women of the tribe of Benjamin are dead? There must be heirs for the survivors so that an entire tribe of Israel is not wiped out. But we cannot give them our own daughters in marriage because we have sworn with a solemn oath that anyone who does this will fail, fall under God's curse. Then they sought out, they thought of the annual festival the Lord held in Shiloh, south of Lebanon and north of Bethel along the east side of the road that goes from Bethel to Shechem. They told the men of Benjamin who still needed wives, go and hide in the vineyards. When you see the young women at Shiloh come out for their dances, rush out from the vineyards, and each of you can take one of them home to the land of Benjamin to be your wife. And when their fathers and brothers come to us protest, we will tell them, please be some sympathetic let them have your daughters but we didn't find wives for all of them when we destroyed Jabesh Gilead and you are not guilty of breaking the vow since you did not actually give your daughters to them in marriage <laughs> so the men of Benjamin did as they were told each man caught one of the women as she danced in the celebration and carried her off to be his wife they returned to their own land and they rebuilt their towns and lived in them then the Lord of Israel departed. Then the people of Israel departed by the tribes and families, and they returned to their own homes. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, this is root one, verse one, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah. The other named woman was Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Mahlon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone with her two, without her two sons or her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord has blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters in-laws got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-laws, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's home, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage, then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. 
No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if I were possible and I were to get married tonight and be a bear son, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey, and when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The woman asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring, in the beginning of the barley harvest. Now we go to John chapter 4, verses 4 to 42. He, Jesus, had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village in Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. Woman, why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift of God for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I will give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. How is this well? And this well is very deep. Where will you get this living water? And besides, you don't think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Amen. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. 
and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the one replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer be matter where you worship the Father in the mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we, Jesus, know all about him, Jews. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around the field. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvest. And it's true. I sent you the harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to the harvest. You will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever had. Did. When they came to see me, see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Praying the Psalms. Listen to the instructions of this psalm. Give thanks, sing, exalt, search, remember. How can these instructions guide your prayer today? Psalms 105, verses 1 through 15. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim His greatness. Let the whole world know what He has done. Sing to Him, yes, sing His praises. 
Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exalt in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles, and the ruling he has given. You children, you children of his servants, Abraham, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His justice is seen throughout the land. He always stands by his covenant, the commitment he made to a thousand generations. This is the covenant he made with Abraham and the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree and to the people of Israel as a never-ending covenant. I will give you the land of Canaan as your special possession. He said this when they were few in number, a tiny group of strangers in Canaan. They wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. Yet he did not let anyone oppress them. He warned kings on their behalf. Do not touch my chosen people and do not hurt my prophets. Amen. Proverbs 14:25 A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is a traitor.